Welcome to Co-op Energy Talk with Cherryland Electric Cooperative. I'm Rachel Johnson, and I am our member relations manager here at Cherryland. You, you may think I got a promotion since last time, but I just changed my title. Same job. Uh, anyway, so today, super spicy topic, we're going to be talking about rates. And I know that may sound like it could be a little bland, but in fact, what we find from most of our members is that rates are their number one priority. Uh, most of our members, the first thing they ask us is how much is it going to cost? And the first thing they do each month is look at that number at the bottom of their bill. One thing you may not realize is that 70 cents of every dollar on Cherryland's bill is actually a pass-through cost for power supply from our power supplier, Wolverine Power Cooperative. So we are going to have a special guest here from Wolverine. Uh, before I introduce him, let me just briefly explain who Wolverine is. Wolverine is a generation and transmission cooperative that is owned and governed by distribution co-ops like Cherryland. Wolverine generates and buys electricity and then moves it across the state and essentially delivers it to the doorstep of Cherryland, and, uh, of our service territory, and then it's our job to move it around our service territory to each home and business we serve. Cherryland serves 34,000 members, and Wolverine serves five distribution co-ops like Cherryland, which means they serve about 270,000 consumer members. So joining me here today uh, first is my trusty cohort and the general manager here at Cherryland, Tony Anderson. Good morning. And second, from Wolverine, we have Rick Kohler. Good morning. Rick is the finance director at Wolverine. Rick has been at Wolverine for about 13 years and has over 23 years of financial management experience. At Wolverine, he is currently responsible for financial analysis, internal and external financial reporting, risk management, and apropos of today's topic, rates. He's also a good old bro boy. He grew up on a Michigan dairy farm, and he's an alum of Michigan State <coughs> University. And I don't know if Rick knows this, but this weekend, his alma mater walloped my alma mater, Penn State's Nittany Lions. I did not know that, Rachel, but uh, <laughs> gotta say I was pretty pleased with the results of the weekend. Uh, yeah, and I'm just trying to keep it together and sit at the table with Rick and not, not hold it against him. So anyway, thanks for joining us, Rick. Thanks for having me. So to get started, Rick, do you want to maybe just explain a little bit about the history of Wolverine's rates and how they compare to other utilities? Well, I think maybe to, to start off with, um, uh, a good idea would be to you know talk a little bit about just what Wolverine does. You, you gave us a nice introduction, but um, really what we're doing is we're trying to provide power supply to each of our members. And um, we do that by uh, either purchasing per or you're engaging in purchase power agreements or um, operating our generating plants and then moving that power across our transmission system. So really what Wolverine's rates are doing is it's collecting for those costs, not only for the, the, the energy costs and the, the capacity costs or the, you know, the cost of the power and getting the power out to each of our members, but also for the individuals that work at Wolverine uh, and in, are engaged in, in providing that power on a day-to-day -day basis. So from a hi historical perspective, uh, you know, the, the energy industry has changed just a little bit over the years. And I've been with Wolverine 13 years, as you said, but uh, before that time frame, there was a lot of uh, bilateral transactions. And so there wasn't an open market. You would engage um, in one-on-one -on -one transactions with other power providers to bring that power in. Since that point in time, uh, the um, uh, mid-continent uh, independent system operator has um, become in existence, and that's a regional transmission organization that helps to create an energy market for uh, Wolverine and other utilities to operate within. And so what we've seen is we've seen very um, uh, known commodity 
transacted on a bilateral basis in the past um, changed to more of an open market uh, kind of uh, perspective. And so as that is transacted um, or transitioned, so too has the cost associated with um, power supply at, um, within utilities. And so Wolverine, maybe 20 years ago, had um, very known power supply arrangements. And as we move forward, what we've tried to do is we've tried to um, utilize that market and engage in transactions where we can take advantage of uh, power supply uh, arrangements on a long-term, maybe an uh, intermediate term, and a short-term basis to provide the, the most cost-effective um, power supply for our members over that time frame. Um, our rates have um, had some increasing uh, costs that are associated with that as the regional transmission organization has um, it layered in some, uh, some of those kinds of costs into our, our power supply mix. And so um, over that time frame, we've seen a, you know, a little bit of an increase, but we have uh, over the last, uh, I'd say 10 years, been engaged in uh, a, a plan where we are um, investing in Wolverine and preparing for the future. I have a quick question along that. I just want to pull this out because you, you mentioned sub, several times about collecting for cost and collecting for cost. And can you just expand on the way the, the, the difference between being profit motivated rate making versus cost driven rate making? Sure. Um, Wolverine's uh, uh, really has several uh, goals in its uh, in its rate design, and really the first is to recover its costs. Uh, then, um, as with any organization, Wolverine wants to show that it is a, um, is a viable uh, entity. And so another goal that we have is that we want to make sure that we look um, financially sound to outsiders, to, to you know, um, those that are, uh, we're going to be obtaining financing from, and for our members. Uh, it's important for uh, Wolverine to look like a, a sound organization for its membership. And so um, one of our goals is to, to um, recover our costs, but then we need to recover a little bit of margin on top of that. But we're not motivated by um, driving um, our, our rates up and trying to obtain um, additional money from that. We essentially are looking to simply recover our costs and, um, and have a, a show that Wolverine is a, is a, is a sound financial entity. Yeah, very similar to Cherryland. Uh, you just have to make enough money to keep your banker happy. That's, that's and, correct. And you need to make enough uh, money to uh, achieve financing that is affordable as well. And those two go hand in hand. That's exactly right. So, okay, good. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so then um, if you were, so it's, it's really helpful to kind of understand the difference between moving from that kind of bilateral known to more, a little bit more unknown, but also a little bit more opportunity, right? Correct. But now looking forward, if you were to predict the future of Wolverine's rates, what would that look like? Well, um, I, I mentioned that over the last 10 years, uh, Wolverine's members have, has been, have been investing in uh, Wolverine and preparing our, us for the next, uh, you know, f uh, the future, for the, for the next phase of power supply. Um, what that's doing for us is uh, I believe that we are going to be positioned very well going forward uh, with uh, purchase power arrangements that uh, we've, we've entered into. Um, I'm sure that uh, there's been some discussion of uh, the Alpine power plant that Wolverine has been uh, working on over the last year. And um, putting money into those investments are going to stabilize our, um, our, our costs as we go forward. So 
you know, as a forecaster using my crystal ball, the best that I can do, uh, in my opinion, it looks like we're going to be pretty stable with, uh, you know, where we're at right now. Um, and um, there's even some indications that there should be some possible downward pressures in the future on, on rates. How does that compare to other utilities? Well, uh, if we, we look at other utilities, uh, 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 20 years ago, Wolverine may have been a little bit uh, um, higher um, priced at that point in time as we were working through some, uh, some uh, financial situations at that point. But uh, uh, as we've um, you know, moved forward over the last 20 years, Wolverine has become very competitive. And at this point in time, I believe we are the low cost provider um, when compared to the other uh, neighboring utilities. That's and awesome. who would you consider a neighboring utility? Uh, I would consider uh, Consumers Energy and uh, Detroit Edison, maybe not uh, quite as uh, close uh, to us, but uh, definitely yeah. consumers and um, even maybe some of the munis. You compare yourself to those people on a regular basis. We, we will, yeah, we will look at that. And yeah. So um, we talked a little bit about the market, but if you had to just identify the top few external factors that influence rates? Sure. Uh, really, the, the things that influence our rates, um, because, because we're so in involved in trying to look out 10 years and 20 years in our power supply arrangements and, and be prepared for that, uh, the things that really influence our rates uh, are those uh, short-term things such as weather. Um, and I know I've mentioned the market several times, but really, um, the market has a, a huge impact on us, and it's uh, not just uh, this new marketplace that we operate in, uh, but also the, um, the fuel costs that uh, go into power supply, uh, uh, power plants and those kinds of things. So as uh, uh, fuel prices go up or go down, and by that I'm talking about natural gas prices, mm -hmm. um, those are the things that influence us on, on a, on a short-term basis. So Wolverine... Uh, you know, takes a, an approach to power supply, uh, as I mentioned earlier, of looking out multiple years and trying to um, obtain power supply arrangements so that we're prepared for that uh, as we go forward. And so we'll, we'll, we'll layer in some of those long-term contracts and some of these um, intermediate contracts. Um, but in the short term, Wolverine has a responsibility to perfectly match the power supply needs of its members to what, what power supply it has. And so um, it's engaged on a daily basis or an hourly basis, really, of balancing out power. And so um, it's very difficult to perfectly match what uh, each of our members is going to need in that next hour. And so there's going to be some situations where we're, we're a little long on power or maybe we're a little bit short on power. And so we have to balance that out in the daily market. And so as uh, weather uh, changes, that Im impacts how much energy is needed throughout the system. It impacts how much... Uh, uh, the market is going to pay for power or how much it's going to require for power. And so as we're engaged in those short-term balancing uh, arrangements, that's where some of that impacts uh, our, our members' uh, power supply. How much does the price of natural gas have to change before it affects you or you become concerned? Well, really, uh, any change in natural gas, uh, even a penny, would, would influence uh, the, the price of power. And because we are engaged in that, uh, it, it Im impacts us. But... Um, what uh, you know when it becomes more uh, problematic is when you see you know sizable increases so i would say somewhere in the uh, you know 50 cent range to okay. to a dollar range it, it really starts to have much more of an impact at that point in time and you have uh, individuals working 24 7 around the clock to watch the markets watch the loads correct we do we have a, a merchant operations center that 
um, that is their their complete responsibility is to on a um, hourly basis balance out our members loads and prepare for power supply needs uh, of our members they're engaged in, in obtaining those power supply contracts and working within that marketplace um, to take advantage of any opportunities that might be there and um, try to lower our costs for our members okay Rick I'm gonna ask the tough question now so if fuel variability in fuel prices is kind of this difficult things in terms of difficult thing in terms of controlling our rates why don't we just use things that don't require any fuel like why don't we just get all of our power from renewables like wind or solar um well, uh, renewables are, are, are a fantastic uh, part of our portfolio, and Wolverine has been um, actively engaged in, in obtaining more uh, renewables. Uh, and, and, and we think it's an important piece of the pie, but there are other things that go along with renewables that um, um, bring costs uh, that aren't associated with fuel. So if you know, we look at a renewable or wind farm, let's say, uh, there's, there's really no fuel cost to that. Uh, the wind is, is free. Um, however, in order to uh, obtain that power, you have to put up wind turbines. You have to um, have uh, all the labor that's involved in that. You have to obtain the, the land uh, to put those on, and all of that comes at a cost. It's a large investment cost, and those costs have to be recovered. And so instead of looking at it as a, a fuel input, it really becomes an investment input. And so that becomes the, 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 the cost associated with, uh, with renewables. And, and then, the, you know, the other issue that, uh, that comes along with that is that renewables um, are, are, are a great resource, but they're not there all the time. And so um, you have to uh, account for that because when, uh, you know, the, the person at the end of the, the line wants to turn on their light switch, they expect to have, uh, the, you know, the lights turn on. And if the wind isn't blowing at that point in time, it's really hard to do that unless you have something else. And so you have to um, essentially layer those together. You have, renewables are a great resource. Um, they can be very cost effective at times, but there's other times where uh, you need to have something backing that up. And so um, to answer your question, Rachel, I, you know, really it, it takes a little bit of both. And, and so you, you know, it's hard to put all of your eggs in one basket to uh, use that phrase um, and, and be an effective power provider. Wolverine has about 1,600 miles of transmission line, high-voltage transmission line that serves their members. That is correct. How much do you have invested in that? Oh, um, the transmission system, I th you know, if, I, if I think back uh, to Wolverine's balance sheet, uh, we have about, I would say, $250 million um, invested in transmission assets uh, um, yeah, before you buy any power, before you transmit any electricity, you had $250 million sitting out there exposed to the weather. That's correct. It's a significant investment. And, uh, you know, we talked earlier a little bit about, uh, you know, Wolverine taking all of its costs and, and, and trying to recover those. Some of those costs are, are, are part of that equation. You know, we're trying to recover those because the transmission system um, is the backbone of, of providing power to uh, all of our members. That's how we're going to move that around mm -hmm. to everybody. And, and so those are, are vital assets to Wolverine and vital assets to all of our membership. And so those costs are similar to... Um, say, uh, you know, investment that we would have in a, genera a generator or something of that nature. Those costs need to be recovered um, in order for us to continue to operate our business. How many employees does it take to, uh, to serve us? You, you know, you've got 1,600 miles of transmission line. You're, you're buying power every day. Uh, you're keeping the lights on every day. How many, how many employees are at Wolverine? 
Uh, Wolverine uh, has uh, about 130 employees uh, at this point in time. Uh, that number has, has grown uh, by a, a couple of uh, employees over the last few years uh, as we've been more engaged in, in some things with uh, the, the regional transmission organizations uh, as uh, additional uh, regular, you know, regulations come are, are put upon us on our transmission system and, uh, and, and some of those, but uh, somewhere around 130 employees. So one of the things that we've kind of talked around a little bit so far today is markets and, and how they affect rates. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You're the, you're the financial person, not me. Um, basically, put most simply, the higher, the more people wanting electricity at any given moment, the, high, the higher the pressure, the upward pressure on rates out on the market, right? So as demand peaks, costs potentially peak as well. That, that, that's correct. Uh, basic supply and demand on, on power supply. So talk a little bit about how peaks get um, kind of um, incorporated into Wolverine's rates and what impact it has on Cherryland's bill or on our members' bill. Well, um, as you said, uh, as the system peaks or as more energy is, is requested, uh, more and more uh, generation needs to be dispatched. There has to be additional power provided out there. And um, the way that the market works, it's a very efficient market. Uh, it's uh, looking to... Um, dispatch those generators that are the most cost-effective. And so it begins um, with, with the, the, the cheapest power being available, and then it moves up a scale. And so as peaks grow, um, and we see this primarily in the summer when it's really hot and we've had humidity for a few days, um, we'll, you know, we'll see peaks start to grow, and more and more um, uh, energy is required uh, as, as the air conditioners come on and people are, are um, you know, trying to cool their houses. And, and so as you move through that um, dispatch arrangement, you move up the scale to higher um, priced power um, as you know, more peakers and, and things of that nature come on. And so um, just as you said, supply and demand. As that uh, demand goes up higher, um, we need to provide more supply and that comes at higher cost uh, generators. And, uh, and so then we'll see, you know, typically some of the highest price power during those, those, um, those peak times. Uh, how Wolverine takes that into uh, consideration is um, we're, you know, we are planning for that. And so we look to uh, make those power supply arrangements where we um, forecast what we think our needs are going to be. We do that based upon historical trends. We do that based upon projections uh, going forward. And we try to um, arrange power supply uh, arrangements such that we have just enough to, to meet our members' needs. But as I said earlier, it's, it's very difficult to, to get really close. And so we have to you know, go through this process of balancing that out. And, and so um, we will uh, you know, make, make judgment call, or our merchant operations group will make a judgment call on how much is too much, how much is too little, what, you know, uh, what kind of risk arrangement do we want to move forward with to engage in the market and, um, and balance that out in the market and, and use the market as, uh, as our final uh, piece to that. So one of the things that we're kind of always talking about is how can we um, how can we hedge against increasing costs to generate power by using less? Right? How can we conserve the, the cheapest kilowatt hours, the one you don't have to build, and all that? Correct. Um, so, can you talk a little bit about how Wolverine has been impacted by energy conservation? And in particular, here in Michigan, we have an energy conservation mandate. So, all of the cooperatives served by Wolverine are um, working every year to incentivize people to to use less. Um, yeah. 
as I've said before, we're the only industry that's incentivized to sell less of our product. <laughs> so how does that impact Wolverine? Yeah, how does that impact Wolverine and our rates? Well, um, you know, as we just talked about, uh, it, it kind of depends on when uh, that energy is being conserved. Um, the, as, as we um, use energy, uh, Wolverine has a supply available f- you know, for that. It's a known, uh, you know, a known amount for, for, for a period. But um, when, when it's being used at a peak point in time, um, that's when those prices are escalating. And Wolverine incurs additional costs associated with uh, having, you know, requiring um, extra power at certain times on those on those peak hours. And so, if energy is conserved at that point in time, overall, what it does is it helps um, the the entirety of Wolverine's membership. It brings some of those costs down if it's saved at the right point in time, and uh, helps out uh, um, by lowering those power supply costs that are shared amongst all of the membership. So. Um, has it had a, a huge impact? Um, I, I can't say that I've seen um, that kind of impact on, on Wolverine. Uh, it's uh, it's definitely saved a, a few dollars here and there. Uh, it lowers your usage, that which lowers you know your power supply bill. But it, um, a lot of it depends, like I said, on when that power is being saved. And the the Wolverine. Uh family of co-ops is also growing. I mean, you've seen some growth at Wolverine that in energy sales over the past several years, Correct. I believe. Correct. Um, it, it, Wolverine hasn't grown uh, quite as fast as it had, um, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Uh, the growth was was very large back then, somewhere in the, I would say, about 5% per year range. Um, but over the last couple of years, uh, Wolverine's membership uh, has continued to grow uh, somewhere between the half percent and one percent range. Um, and so it, it does continue to, uh, to, to yeah, move forward. It makes it tough to tell where the energy conservation savings are coming when we're also seeing growth, and so the growth is offsetting a lot of that savings. And when you say half percent to one percent, you're talking about growth in kilowatt hours sold, growth in load. That, that's what I'm talking about, okay. correct. And do we have a sense of where that growth is coming from? Is it primarily residential, more homes being built in our service territories? Is it commercial and industrial? Well, I, I, I would say what we've seen primarily is it, it is residential. I wouldn't say it's necessarily more homes being built, um, but maybe uh, a little bit more usage per, per customer. So um, as we use more smartphones and, and TVs and those kinds of things, it seems to be uh, that's where most of the growth has, has been happening. And um, maybe one of the largest pieces is just air conditioning. Um, Northern Michigan um, isn't, you know, maybe as saturated with air conditioning as some of the other, uh, you know, territories across the country, especially down south. But as we become more and more accustomed to air conditioning in our um, places of work, we also want to have that air conditioning in our homes. And so we're seeing more and more people put in air conditioning, whether that be um, the whole house air conditioning or even just window units. And that is a big part of uh, what drives uh, some of the you know the peak growth uh, during the summertime at uh, at Wolverine and Wolverine's members. And we've talked a lot about the market, but I think our listeners should know that we're not beholden to the market. We have a very balanced portfolio. We have some purchase power agreements that are fixed. We we own some uh, generation facilities that the cost is relatively fixed, but yet there is a piece of our portfolio that's in the market. That's that's correct, Tony. Uh, you know, and I, I probably talked maybe more about the market than I, I should have, but the no, reason it's, it's still good. The reason that I, I talked about it so much is um, 
because that's really the the pieces that have uh, can have a large impact on, on Wolverine. You know, I talked about the weather, and uh, over the last couple of years, we saw some some instances with the uh, the polar vortex, uh, 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 you know, scenarios, and. It, during that time frame, there was both an increased cost and an increased opportunity uh, for, for Wolverine. Uh, we've got we've got generators that uh, were were called upon to to run at that point in time, and we'll dispatch those when they're economical to do so. Um, the problem that we you know we can run into is is gas available. Can we get enough supply there to to run those generators and and take advantage of, of that? But at the same time. Um, if we're maybe short on power, then the market price goes up. And, and so I talked a lot about that, but you're right, Tony. Mm-hmm. We have a very, very um, balanced and um, uh, committed portfolio. We've, we've yeah. looked out 10, 20 years and where we can obtain uh, power supply contracts um, that are you know, economical and appropriate to do so, we will do that. And, and we're engaged in that long-term planning on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's, that's one of the strengths of Wolverine that I, didn't, I wanted our listeners to get today is I've been at Cherryland 13 years, and I've watched Wolverine do a great job developing a portfolio of gas, coal, wind, and just a touch of solar and some hydro. And then the market, too. They've done a really good job of uh, – doing that and keeping our prices down and that's why i believe wolverine's a low-cost provider today it's interesting too because as as we've been sitting here um in addition to learning a lot the thing i keep thinking is oh my gosh i'm so glad i don't have to know all of this all the time and it makes me think of kind of where wolverine came from right so you know 67 years ago the distribution co-op said look the issues attached to power supply and transmission and Um, buying power on the market are complex and we need people with expertise who can do that and we need to be good at what we do. So they formed generation and transmission co-ops like Wolverine and now we're seeing the benefits of having that expertise available to us whether it be in controlling for our rates or quite frankly being able to explain rates in a way that's understandable. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of it's kind of cool to start to see that um, to see how how those things work so well together. We know there's about 900 co-ops across the country in 47 states. I've never thought about how many GNTs serve those 900 co-ops. Do you have any idea how many GNTs are there are in the country? I believe there's somewhere around 60 to 65 okay. uh, GNTs. Uh, that, that sounds about right. It's 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 yeah. it's moved a little bit. There's been mm-hmm. you know some that have consolidated into to other groups, but uh, that that would be right around the the right number. Great. So to wrap it up, we're going to uh, do co-op fun facts. Tony, co-op fun fact? Yeah, very good one that just came up recently. Wolverine signed a, their third uh, contract with a wind company, and we will be 30% renewable in 2017 when it's all built out. There's no utility of our size or bigger in the state that has a renewable portfolio at that level this time. That's awesome. And Rick, and, how about you? Any well, and Tony, to, to you know, play off of that, uh, that renewable is going to come into our portfolio, and that's going to come in at no increased cost for the membership. That's awesome. So mine is, is actually going to be a little bit of a departure from the electric utility world and instead just be talking about co-ops in general. One in three people in the United States belong to a co-op. So there you go. Very good. Let's, 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 let's move towards half. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thank, Thank you. you.